program out in Southfield. She has a comment on a Free Thought Thursday uh, about the president. Gloria, thanks so much for calling the program. Your conversation. Okay, my conversation to you is, you know, it's been bothering me for a long time, and I wasn't sure if you've talked about this, but, you know, we think about everything Obama has done, and he gets away with it. He's the one that let those four or five guys out of prison, and then he lets this American or whatever he was know the, the guy's in trouble. All the spotlights on on that guy, okay? Not Obama. Nothing happened to him. He didn't get reprimanded. He didn't get spanked, you bad boy. He acts like a child, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And I just wasn't doing nothing. He's, he's sliding right by, and we're allowing it. He gets no, uh, like, like money taking out of his, when he leaves office, he spent so much of our money, we should be taking back. We've been supporting him on his big vacation for all these years. Now, and, uh, Gloria, your, your point is what? My point is we're not going to him and saying it's your fault that uh, you let these people in. He doesn't get any blame. Everybody else gets the blame. He didn't uh, build up the fences all those years. Oh, well, he didn't want to. Mm -hmm. And he didn't want to. uh, The reason uh, that I feel that he doesn't like uh, Yahoo is it's not Yahoo. It's Israel because he's one of them. Um, in the Middle East, one of those peoples. Mm, now, you don't think that the president, you're not inferring, are you, Gloria, that the president might in some way be uh, disinclined to uh, be favorable toward people because of perhaps their Jewish heritage, are you? You're not saying that, are you? Yeah. I'm saying against Israel, all those other people in the Middle East that are bad, and he uh, he's done, it's so obvious, it's just obvious that he's, He's about this. He starts things, and then he gets everybody rolling in on it. He stands back, and, hey, everybody else does it, but he has a big smile on his face. Mm-hmm. I got away with another one. He just keeps on getting away with it. I I hear you. I hear what you're saying, Gloria, absolutely. Well, you know, and, and to the point uh, that you are making, uh, we can just take a look at what has happened with regard to the Bo Bergdahl situation, where we were told mm-hmm. that the release of uh, the release of terror commanders back into the wild, if you will, in exchange for someone that we now know is a deserter from the U.S. military, uh, had to be done because it was a matter of life and death, and we were told that he served with honor and distinction, but now we know, based on the testimony of his own brethren in arms, that he was a deserter and less than honorable, uh, but yet the president uh, and his people say that what they did was justified based on human rights concerns and we've also learned now that at least three of the people who were released as a result of the Bergdahl deal are in the process of trying to return to the terrorist battlefield of Islamist jihad terror. Gloria, you're right. There are times when it seems this president will pass the buck rather than taking the blame for his legitimate mistakes. Uh, he said that uh, there was no chance these other folks being released for Bo Bergdahl would be uh, taken uh, back to the battlefields. Well, From what we understand, some published reports based on intelligence that's being shared with some news organizations indicates that three of them may already have been headed, may have already headed back 
uh, to the terrorist battlefield. In addition to that, remember the victory laps that the president was taking uh, with regard to bringing troops home from Iraq, much to the point that Gloria was trying to make again. And when the situation in Iraq spiraled downward, out of control, and has now devolved to the point where he has to now consider sending American troops back into Iraq, instead of taking the victory lap, he stepped away and said it wasn't his policy that is responsible for what's happening in Iraq, particularly with regard to withdrawing American troops. But before that, he was all about it. 866-423-9578. So, yes, she's right. There are times when there are people who fail and want to pass the buck, but when they succeed, they want to be celebrated or feted. And we've certainly seen that over the last six years, haven't we? 866-423-9578, 866-423-WLQV. It is a free thought Thursday, but if it's Thursday, it's also Theological Thursday segment time with Pastor Christopher Brooks campus dean of Moody Theological Seminary, Michigan. Pastor Brooks has a heart for ministry, and he has a heart for young people. Pastor Brooks, thanks for joining me on the program today. What about young people? Hey, Darrell, it's good to be with you, and always a pleasure to listen in on a provocative conversation of the Run to Win family. A lot to discuss, but let me just say, one of my great concerns as we talk about shifting change in our culture, a more anti-Christian sentiment growing, uh, a popular dissent from Christian ethics. I think part of the problem can be placed at the feet of the church, and in particular, our approach to youth ministry. It seems like since the uh, mid-70s, early 80s, the primary approach to youth ministry has been one of hype and entertainment, Mm -hmm. assuming that children and youth aren't hungry for theology or substance. Well, I just want to say that this is a pathway to disaster. Yes. It creates a generation that does not have any sense of the Christian worldview, doesn't have any firm footing in in, in theo- theological discourse, the inability to think critically about world events and issues. And so it's very easy to advance issues and causes, arguments and movements that are very anti-Christian at their root mm-hmm. without any resistance. Very well said, Pastor Brooks. Are you still there with us? Did we lose him on the line, uh, Kurt? Pastor Brooks? Boy, and he was on a roll there, too. Uh, certainly speaking my mind with regard to youth ministry, uh, with regard to how it has been affected over the last few years and where we stand right now in terms of its implementation and what that portends for the future. Uh, do we have a generation of young people who are coming in and out of church who have more of an addiction to entertainment as opposed to being truly, in a good sense, addicted to Christ, the doctrines of Christ, the Bible, and the work of ministry? Uh, which is it? I think it's a question worth asking, and we're going to get Pastor Brooks back on the phone and have him continue uh, that commentary. Pastor Brooks, go ahead. I guess we got disconnected there. Yeah, I apologize. But, yeah, we're just advocating that Moody that youth pastors, youth directors, youth leaders need to be just as theological trained uh, and and prepared Mm -hmm. to engage youth in theological matters of the Christian worldview as senior pastors and senior leaders are. We have to move from a hype and entertainment-based approach to youth ministry to solid Bible teaching and engagement around the Christian worldview. Yes, and and to that degree, let me infuse this thought. 
if we have young people who at some point we send away to schools that may not necessarily be Christian institutions at some point later in their life, or maybe kids who as they are young people, excuse me, young people as they matriculate through the high school ranks even, began to lose the fervor and the desire to even be associated with the church, they begin to have existential questions and or crises with regard to the questions of origins, the questions of whether or not their life has purpose and or meaning. One of the things that seems to happen quite, uh, quite regularly that we are now finding out from the research database is that suicide rates among young people, particularly college-age young people, uh, seem to be elevating and, and, yeah. and at the root of that seems to be this idea that they see their lives as meaningless, purposeless, and they see faith or faith as a proposition a losing one. How do we, yeah. how do we arrest that situation? By employing the techniques you're talking about here? Well, you know, Daryl, you bring up a great point. I've spent uh, time on three major college campuses over the past week sharing from the scriptures, and one of the common themes that I find uh, no matter if I'm on a Christian campus, sadly, or a non-Christian college campus, is that most young people are convinced that the Bible, the gospel, does not speak with relevance and clarity to the major issues facing them today. And what we have to do is show them how Scripture speaks to all of the major issues that are facing our culture, our society, and yes, those major existential questions that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking about existential questions, just for the purpose of audience understanding, we're talking about questions like, why am I here? Mm-hmm. Is there a meaning to life? Is there a purpose? Is there a value? And it all goes back to origin and the big narrative of Scripture that I believe the Christian uh, worldview answers coherently, mm-hmm. and really is the only worldview that coherently answers the major yearnings of the hearts of humanity. Sadly, we haven't told the story well, and we haven't told it effectively, many in the church. And so that's why there's this call on behalf of Moody Theological Seminary, an appeal to those who have decided to answer the high call of training youth, have a burden for youth work. Mm-hmm. We praise the Lord for that, and we encourage you to be trained in the Scriptures so that we can raise a generation that understands the the relevance and the power of the Word of God accurately. That is such a big point that you're making, Pastor Brooks, because if we're going to to win the day with our young people, they've got to see, they've they've not only got to hear something, but they've got to see something. They've got to see that our faith is vibrant, that our faith is living, that our ability to share that faith is, is filled with passion, it is filled with anointing, it is filled with relevance, it is filled with applicability for the situations we actually, actually face today. And unless we do that, you can have concert after concert after concert, but you'll be flushing kids out the back door of the church from now until doomsday. And I think folks need You're to get exactly that right. message. You're exactly right. One of our mutual... Uh, friends and, and someone we both admire, Ravi Zacharias, says this, that oftentimes suicide is a, revo- a result of emotional exhaustion. Mm. But he says this, which I think is very critical for us to understand. It's not the exhaustion that comes from pain oftentimes, but it's the exhaustion that comes from entertainment. What do you tell a young person who has taken in and consumed all types of entertainment and still is unsatisfied? Mm-hmm. They've taken in all that the Internet has to offer, 
movies and music, all the hype you can feed them, and they still are empty on the inside. We're serving a generation that is exhausted from empty entertainment. They don't need more hype from us. They're crying for substance. They Amen. desperately want someone to, to, to engage them seriously around the major issues that they're facing in life and to give them a coherent and compelling answer. And I believe that Jesus did that effectively, and we who are followers of Christ have to be trained on how to do that, and that's what Moody is here for. And the fundamental, foundational, fact-based, evidentiary Word of God has to be pushed first and foremost toward the young people. We have to teach them how to eat the Word of God and to fill up and be satisfied with it, but we have to teach them that our faith is not only relevant, but our faith is evidentiary, there is a way to prove what the Bible says about what we believe. There is a way to apply what the Bible says yeah. with regard to what we say, what we live, and why the Word of God tells us to live our lives a certain way. Because what they're finding out when they get outside of the church walls, Pastor Brooks, and I know that you've seen this uh, and have had to probably counter it, uh, that is this ideal that not only is your Bible irrelevant, but your Bible's a myth. Your Bible is a fairy tale. Yeah, yeah. Your Jesus is a, fo a, a, is a phony and a fake. Uh, how do yeah. we teach our young people to embrace Christ, embrace the Word, and passionately defend the faith against that kind of a withering attack? Well, I think the first thing we have to do is understand the history of our culture and to expose the lie that our our culture has been built upon anything other than a Christian worldview. Our legal system, our educational system, our societal uh, systems of health care all owe a, a major debt to Christianity. Their history is found in the, in the Judeo-Christian worldview. So mm -hmm. we have to make sure people understand that, mm -hmm. that science and history owes a debt to the Christian worldview. Beyond that, again, we have to show the Bible's relevance and seriousness in dealing with major cultural issues. For example, if you study Matthew 22, where we get the great commandment of loving God and loving neighbor, what you'll find is that Jesus is engaging in that chapter in a Q&A with some of the major thought leaders of his day. The subjects that he takes on, taxation, marriage, the legal system, all of these are posed to him, and he gives excellent philosophical and theological responses. Mm -hmm. Well, are we engaging young people around Jesus as a philosopher, Jesus as a thinker, Jesus as a, a, a great teacher, mm -hmm. or are we just simply giving them verses for inspiration and, again, just for hype? And so I understand that there's a social aspect to youth ministry, but I also want to call all youth leaders and those who feel a call to lead in, in local churches and maybe even in organizations that serve youth to make sure you get theologically trained so we can minister to them the word of life. Amen. Uh, Pastor Brooks, I could have said it any better than that. Give folks the contact information where they can find out more information on how to prepare for youth ministry. Well, let me just tell you, it's a, pl a pleasure of mine to serve as the campus dean of Moody Theological Seminary who sponsors this week, this time every week. And I want to invite uh, your listeners out to our open house. Let me just say our past open house, uh, your listeners turned out big. And it's such a great journey to see the hunger for theological training that's happening around our community. The next day is going to be on April 14th. We'll have an open house in the evening. That Thursday evening, we'll, we'll uh, have food. We'll share with you about our 10 major degree programs. And let me just emphasize our Timothy Scholarship, which for qualifying students 
covers up to two-thirds of the cost of your education. So, again, if they want to call us, all they need to do is dial 734-207-9581. That's 734-207-9581. Again, 734-207-9581, or they can go to mts.edu. Fantastic, Pastor Brooks. I appreciate the magnificent a subject matter that you've shared with us, the thematic idea of youth ministry and its vital importance in the day in which we live on today's Theological Thursday segment. Can't wait to see what you, you come up with next week. All right. Thank you, sir. We'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. God bless you. Bye-bye. 866-423-9578, 866-423-WLQV, the number to dial to join the conversation on Run to Win the Daryl Woods Show on a free Thought Thursday where you are welcome to call and flip the script and talk about whatever you like on the program today. Of course, we have tons of content to share with you, but we never allow that to impede the dynamic flow of thematic content you bring to the table on a free Thought Thursday. We are back after this break. We will be uh, taking a look at a couple of very interesting developments in terms of stories uh, in the news. Uh, you may not have heard about the Sodomite Suppression Act, but there's a lawyer who says it may be time to start executing gays. I couldn't believe it. I wasn't sure whether this was a joke or what, but I'll tell you who said it and why when we come back. After serving the Detroit area with classical Christian education for the last 20 years, Christian Leadership Academy has changed their name. The new name, Bloomfield Christian School. While their name has changed, their mission remains the same. Bloomfield Christian School is the only fully accredited classic Christian education school in Michigan recognized by the Association of Classical Christian Schools. Students achieve higher ACT and SAT scores, attend colleges of their choice, and many earn great scholarships. The timing was perfect to make the change to Bloomfield Christian School, and the response has been tremendous. Call them now at 248-499-7800, 248-499-7800, or go online to bloomfieldchristian.com to arrange a tour of their campus. There are many Christian schools, folks, but only one Bloomfield Christian School. Call them now, 248-499-7800. The greatest need of the church today are leaders who possess a thorough knowledge of the Word of God and are equipped for the work of the ministry. Hi, this is Chris Brooks, Campus Dean of Moody Theological Seminary here in Plymouth, Michigan. For over 20 years now, we've been training men and women for leadership roles in the church, from professional counselors to pastors, missionaries to chaplains. We have 10 world-class degree programs to equip you for the work of the ministry. Moody is here to prepare you for the road that lies ahead. When you call, ask about the Timothy Scholarship. This generous scholarship can cover up to two-thirds of your tuition. Our next open house will take place on March 19th. We'll serve dinner, and by visiting our campus, you'll also get your application fee waived. So call us today at 888-MTS-2737 or go online at mts.edu. That's 888-MTS-2737 or visit us at mts.edu. The journey for your calling begins today. Is your church ready? 
Over the next 10 years, the senior population in Metro Detroit will nearly double, and soon you'll see 20%, that's one in five people, in your congregation over the age of 65. Is your church ready? You have the awesome opportunity to be on the cutting edge of preparedness for the new aging church movement. Imagine being a church that reaches all generations, including the boomers, who will have unique needs that your church can meet, from caregiver support groups to vision, hearing, and ambulation considerations to reaching out to those with Alzheimer's disease and dementia. My name is Bert Koppel, and I can help your staff and church prepare for this aging church movement. I'm a pastor and the owner of Home Instead Senior Care in Birmingham, Michigan. Our classes, staff teaching tools, and community outreach programs can position your church for this rising need in Metro Detroit. Meet with me at the WLQV Pastors Appreciation Lunch on Thursday, April the 23rd, or visit us online at www.agingchurch.com. That's agingchurch.com. Eight six six four two three nine five seven eight. The news is exploding all around us, folks, and it is highly relevant to people of faith. Are you ready to engage? Is the question. And on a Free Thought Thursday, you can do so right here on the line. Eight six six four two three nine five seven eight. In just a few moments, we will be joined by James Long, who is from Advocates for Faith and Freedom, an organization we have spoke with on several occasions on issues of religious liberty and freedom. There is breaking news out of California uh, this week. Venturi, uh, excuse me, Ventura County Superior Court judge has affirmed the rights of a Christian school in Thousand Oaks, California, to ask that its employees provide a reference from a pastor. Now, you wouldn't think that that's a big deal, but it can open a kind of legal quagmire that can wrap, tie, and tangle a church up financially from a public relations standpoint, and create all kinds of confusion and dissension within the community ranks. Once again, a Ventura County Superior Court judge has affirmed the rights of a Christian school in Thousand Oaks, California, to ask that its employees provide a reference from a pastor. You say, Daryl, what's the big deal? Well, James Long is with Advocates for Faith and Freedom, and he's going to tell us exactly what the big deal is. James, thank you so much for joining us on such short notice with regard to this breaking news. Hey, it's my pleasure, Daryl. I want to find out and help our audience understand why it's such a big deal uh, in this Ventura, uh, or rather in this Thousand Oaks, California community, that a church or that a Christian school uh, would be able to ask its employees to provide a reference from a pastor. What's the genesis of this debate and this legal action, and, and what has the result been at this point? Sure. Well, you know, the, the this entire case sort of goes all the way back to the First Amendment, and we've, we've got two clauses there. We've got the free exercise clause, which allows uh, individuals and churches to freely exercise their religion, and we've got the Establishment Clause that prohibits the state from restricting someone's ability to exercise religion mm-hmm. or from uh, from telling them what they should and shouldn't do in their exercise of religion. And so both of those clauses are implicated here. Essentially, a church or a Christian school has the free exercise right to decide how they want to communicate their beliefs, and the persons uh, to whom they're going to allow to communicate their beliefs. And then the Establishment Clause part 
is that uh, that the state has once the, a church has made the decision that these are the persons who are going to minister at our church or teach our beliefs, mm-hmm. the state has no authority under the establishment clause to question that decision. And that's what uh, that's what was happening at this case is they wanted the state of California to say that this church was wrong for uh, for 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 what they did. Now essentially what is it they did they simply in the process of making sure that they have people who are compatible with what the church wants taught in the schools and in this case it's calvary chapel of thousand oaks am i correct that's right that's right and what happened was calvary chapel had purchased a a private school and at the time it was a secular school and they told the teachers that over a period of four years we're going to convert this to a christian school and we're going to give you an opportunity to get on board. And if you want to minister here, then at the end of this process, you know, you can reapply for your job and you could be a minister with us. Um, but we're going to turn it into a Christian school. And they started developing a Christian curriculum over that four years. Mandatory chapel, uh, memorizing Bible verses, teaching the Bible, mm-hmm. teaching prayers, those kinds of things. And at the end of the four-year process, they said, all right, here's a new application. Since all of you are going to be uh, invited to be ministers of our church and ministers of this school, we need a reference from your pastor. And this is similar to any type of job you might get. You know, you might get personal references. If I applied to Google, I might get a reference from someone saying that I know how to do coding. And this was the same thing. They wanted a reference from a pastor that said, yes, this person uh, believes in a statement of faith and and can act as a minister. Mm -hmm. And... Now, what I want to frame in the mind of our listeners is this. We're talking about a, dis- a, a discrimination case. Uh, we were talking earlier in this program about a situation where a lot of municipalities and ordinances are uh, implementing without a vote of the people, so-called non-discrimination ordinances to make LGBTQ community members basically a protected class. That's a kind of, uh, you know, that's a kind of non-discrimination ordinance. Here we're talking about invoking a kind of discrimination, uh, distinguishing the crucial difference. And the crucial difference here is is that there is a kind of discriminatory behavior that is allowed or permitted by law based on first principles or first constitutional laws, correct? Yes, that's right. And, and, And the argument is essentially that under the First Amendment, when it comes to a church or to a, a religious body or religious organization, they have the ability to choose whoever's going to minister. So if, if an employee is going to be performing certain ministerial functions, they have the absolute right to choose who that person is. And sometimes that requires discriminating on the basis of religion mm-hmm. or, or, or other, other characteristics, um, and, and those would be unique to whatever the church believes. But once the church makes that decision, the law can't question it. Mm-hmm. That would violate the Establishment Clause. And so, so the law is, is very clear in that regard. What, uh, what do we make of this situation now? Does this situation have implications, James, for the rest of the country, Christian schools? We have Christian schools that advertise on this station with us every day. Does this somehow give them firmer footing to accomplish their mission-oriented education format? You know, it, it provides more support, but the Supreme Court has already uh, done essentially what we've done in California and in a case called Hosanna Tabor, mm. Evangelical Lutheran Church. It was decided, I believe, in 2012. Um, and this case uh, just aff- affirms all the more that even here in California, what the Supreme Court has done in their analysis of the First Amendment uh, holds true not just for churches, but for Christian schools. 
um, and even even to Christian organizations. Uh, so your listeners who who are running Christian schools can can take comfort that that at least uh, an, an additional court has uh, has found that a Christian school has this right, mm-hmm. and has agreed with the U.S. Supreme Court that that there is uh, such an exception. Uh, to discrimination laws under the First Amendment to the Constitution. And, and I, get, I just want to be very clear in, in helping frame this in the minds of our listeners. Why is it that anyone, employees in particular, would be uh, averse to or opposed to providing a reference from a pastor? Might it be that they did not have a, a church affiliation to begin with? Yeah, in, in this case, um, both, both of the teachers were Christians, and the facts were that they were, they were both very good teachers. Mm-hmm. But but both of them didn't actually attend church regularly, so they didn't have a pastor. Mm. So they objected, um, and it was offered that the pastor of Calvary Chapel would meet with them and, and talk to them, and if he felt comfortable, he would sign their reference, but they declined that. Um, and so in this case, it was simply that they didn't provide a reference. In some cases, it might be the teacher's not Christian uh, or, or, or is part of a Christian belief that doesn't adhere to a particular statement mm-hmm. of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's many reasons why an employee might object. To, to obtaining a pastor's reference. This has been resolved uh, to the satisfaction of the Christian school and, by extension, the uh, the church, and it upholds our constitutional right to religious liberty uh, and, the, uh, and the right and the ability to make the crucial distinction between uh, who is Christian and who is in line with the philosophical, religious, and, and legal framework we want to implement with regard to our Christian schools. And I think that that is a, a, a fabulous development. I'm glad that folks like you, James, and Robert, and the other folks working with you, you there at Advocates for Faith and Freedom are fighting on our behalf. Congratulations. Thank you very much. And, you know, we're going to continue to fight. And, you know, we believe in the First Amendment and the right to exercise religious belief. And that's what we're here for. And that's why I went to law school. And it's it's feels good to have a victory like this. And I, I'm, I'm absolutely elated to hear you say that because you went to law school so that you could defend religious liberty. I know that there's a much broader body of law that you work in, but you have, you have nailed it. You have added godly purpose to what it is you are doing. And I can't think of, I can't think of anybody walking in a higher calling than when they know what they're doing is replete with godly purpose. James, thanks so much for being with us. Hey, my pleasure. God bless you. Bye-bye. God bless. 866-423-9578. Godly purpose. Walking in your calling. Did you hear what James Long from Advocates for Faith and Freedom said? He's walking in his calling. That's why I advocate you engage where you are. There's the living proof that your life does have purpose. Your life does have value. Whatever it is you, you may think you chose to do, think again. God has put you where you are for a purpose. Whether you can see it now or not, he has. Seek him. Find out exactly what he wants you to do with that skill set that glorifies him and brings honor to his name. 866-423-9578, 866-423-WLQV. Before we had to break, Gary has been very patient out in Pontiac. He is pivoting on the conversation we had with Pastor Brooks back in segment one on youth ministry. Gary, thank you for your patience, my brother. What about youth ministry? Well, uh, number one, you remember about seven years ago when the call was here? It was at Ford Field? Yes, I had the yes. To yes. Be there, and yes, the young I people were seeking mm-hmm. God. Were you part of that? No, I was not. 
Well, number one, that needs, we need to pray that comes back because they were working with young people and um, young people are seeking God. We've lost a lot of young people in our churches because uh, we, we failed to understand where we're at in history. And in the scripture says that the people are lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Mm-hmm. The young people have social media, cell phones, Internet. They're plugged in their iPods and all the things in sports, and it's taken them away from the church. And so our youth leaders have failed, mm-hmm. uh, and many youth leaders have left. And, and then there's a, another scripture that says, cleanse yourself from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit. But they can't do that on their own, the young people, except with help and mm-hmm. prayer. And, and a lot of churches need seminaries where they, they can talk to the young people, and young people can answer their questions. And uh, we, they come up with answers. The answer is get back in the church and seek God. And the answer is to, uh, to pray with these young people and to know their problems and help, 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 help them the best that we can. But there's a bishop coming from Africa. It's going to be at Straight Gate in April. If anybody can go out there, I believe he has a special message to the Detroit area and the United States because our nation has gotten away from God, gotten away from sanctification and holiness. It's gotten away from pray for people to baptism of the Holy Ghost. And there's a lot of people that are in the flesh and they're not in the spirit. And, and a lot of the ministries are preaching out of their own minds. They're not really preaching the anointed word of God. And that's what the problem is. Well, Gary, I don't think there are going to be a lot of people arguing with you about those points. They may take, uh, they, we may take one another to task, let me put it that way, on some of the particulars or finer points. But the fact of the matter is what you said, you said well, Gary. I, I couldn't agree with you more, and I believe it's right in line with what Pastor Brooks was saying earlier. What we need is we need not only the fire of the Holy Ghost within the bosom of young people being saved and brought not only into Christ but being uh, a taught, trained, and pushed along into ministry in their own lives, what we really need to do is make the church relevant to them again. And and that's not necessarily something you do by offering them uh, diversionary uh, pursuits like uh, music and all of these other wonderful things that we can use as ministry devices, but we have to give them the message of the centrality of Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, the yeah. power of an endless life to change the world in which they live, Gary. That's what we have to do for our young people. Yes, yes. God Thank bless you. you, my brother. Thank you for your call today on Free Thought Thursday. I appreciate you. Thank I appreciate you, too. 866-423-9578, 866-423-WLQV. Do you hear the passion? That's what I'm talking about when you call this program. Call this program with passion. Call this program with verve. Call this program with anointing and let folks know what you think. 866-423-9578, 866-423-WLQV. I'm here, you know, I'm the gatekeeper, but the real gatekeeper here is Kurt Cyberling. He is the official program observer. Kurt will put the clamps down on you if you get too far off center. Uh, but uh, after you pass Kurt's scrupulous rigor, uh, you have to run my gauntlet. And that's why we ask you to check your facts, check your premises, and then make your call. It could be as simple as calling to say, you know, Daryl, I heard that interview, and I just want to bless God. I thank God for what he's doing in ministry and what he's doing in our country through people who are engaging on all kinds of levels as the news continues to break here on Run to Win the Daryl Wood Show. 866-423-9578, 866-423-WLQV. Well, when we come back, uh, I am going to be speaking with Darren Baxt, who is a research associate with Heritage Foundation, because you know what, folks? I've talked a lot about the climatologic agenda by the progressive left in this country, 
as recently as yesterday, we talked with Mark Morano about it. Well, guess where else they're trying to get a foothold? I mean, a really big one. Your diet. What if I told you there is a group of bureaucrats working in Washington right now to end your access to meat in the name of saving the planet? Yeah, that's not a fairy tale. That's real. And we're going to talk with Darren Back from Heritage Foundation about it when we come back. This is Daryl Wood here to say that you will want to take down the phone number I'm going to give you in just a few moments. It's the phone number to Senior Financial Center, where Chuck and David Bartman are working day after day to make sure that you can answer this question the right way. Will you have enough money to live on in retirement? You want the answer to that question to be affirmative. And they're going to show you how to do it using winning strategies, what they call their safe retirement strategies. These strategies can offer you the added benefit of a significant upfront bonus with up to 7% interest earned on the money that you invest toward your retirement. They're going to offer you a free one-hour consultation, a free safe retirement strategies kit, and they're going to sit down and have that talk with you to make sure that you're answering the questions right and that you have a plan. You need a plan for retirement. And they're going to make sure at Senior Financial Center that you have one. Uh, they're going to ask you when you plan to retire. What's the time horizon? How do you avoid risk? Where do you invest? Whom do you trust? And is safety and income possible in retirement? They're going to answer those questions for you, and they're going to help you get ready for the biggest day in your life, retirement, where you no longer get up and go to work every day, but you'll still need money to live. They're going to show you how to have plenty of it, folks. Take down this number right now, 800-452-0208, 800-452-0208. The professionals at Senior Financial Center want to schedule that one-hour free consultation, put that safe retirement kit in your hands, and help you down the road toward a successful retirement strategy. Call the professionals at Senior Financial Center now, 800-452-0208. The family's under attack, and the church has the answer to bring families back together. Bethany Christian Services has a special ministry to support churches so they can minister to families. It's called Safe Families for Children and is a church-based ministry with no government involvement. Safe Families for Children helps parents experiencing a temporary crisis by providing a loving Christian family with whom the children may stay until the crisis is passed. When a crisis strikes, many people have their relative or friends for support, but some families have no safety net. With Safe Families, parents can find a Christian host family for their children ages newborn to 17 until the crisis passes. There's no charge for Safe Families. Parents maintain full custody of their children and are encouraged to actively participate in their children's lives during their time with the host family. Find out how you can help. Call 248-414-4080. That's 248-414-4080. Safe Families for Children. 
When you send your children to school, how do you feel about what they're learning for seven hours a day? I'm afraid my kids are suffering academically in our public school. My kids are being fed a politically correct agenda that is absolutely unbelievable. I just get a sick feeling when I see them get on that bus. Talk about indoctrinated. My kids are coming home telling me that this complex universe is one giant cosmic accident. I'd love to send them to a good Christian school, but how can we afford it? Now you can provide an affordable private education that supports your family's values. At Calvary Christian School, they'll be taught in a safe, happy environment with a solid foundation of discipline, cheerful classrooms, and committed, caring teachers. Your kids can have an excellent academic education from a Christian worldview that families on one income can fit into their budget. Calvary Christian School. Call us today at 248-541-4587 to schedule your tour. Mention this ad and your $75 application fee will be waived. Or visit us on Facebook at CCS Royal Oak. Call today and change a life. Eight six six four two three nine five seven eight eight six six four two three WLQV. Sorry for our caller who dropped off just before we came back from the break. If you want to call. Right now, we can get you in on the line. We'll be saving that space and that time for you. 866-423-9578, 866-423-WLQV. Before the break, we were talking about not only the folks who are fighting the good fight of faith, but they are running to win, and yes, they are winning. If anything, it ought to be a lesson to all of us that if we are actively engaged in the pursuits that God has laid on our hearts, pursuits that can, in effect, turn the tide of social decay in this culture. We know that not only we'll be doing God's will, but we will be acting as that salt and that light. The Bible says that we Christians are to be in this world. Regardless of what your time frame, whether you think we're living in the last days or we are pre-trib, post-tribulation, mid-tribulation, amillennialist, millennialist, whatever camp you fall into, uh, there's one question you will invariably need to answer, and that is, are you living out your godly purpose in life in the time in which you live right now? 866-423-9578, 866-423-WLQV, and to that end, running to win. Well, there are reports of an advisory committee that is busy at work in an effort to affect the items on your plate. Uh, More specifically, they would rather see you giving up meat. Yeah, that's right, giving up meat and eating more vegetables, and not just vegetables. Uh, They want you to eat more of another kind of food as opposed to beef. Here with more of the details of who this committee are and, in addition to what it is they really seek to do, Darren Baxt, who is an analyst with Heritage Foundation. Darren, thank you so much for joining us on Run to Win the Daryl Wood Show. Yeah, hi, it's great to be here. Darren, there uh, is a group that wants uh, to uh, shape more what we are putting on our plates they want us to give up beef. Who's that group, and under what authority are they making these pronouncements? Yeah, they're called the Dietary Guidelines Advisory Committee, and they make recommendations to the Department of Agriculture and the uh, and Health and Human Services to develop the dietary guidelines. 
This is done every five years. Mm-hmm. And as these dietary guidelines, they are, you know, kind of what you think of when it's like the food pyramid mm-hmm. for the my plate. So it's kind of informs that those recommendations. But those uh, recommendations also actually uh, they have an impact on policy. For example, like the school meal programs have to be consistent with the dietary guidelines. So what these um, people are recommending are going to have a, a real impact mm-hmm. on everyone. Now, the bottom line is this. What they are practically advocating for uh, on behalf of other groups uh, who are allied with them are that people give up eating meat. They'd like to see people give up meat altogether, and they're doing it in the name of saving the planet. There's the aspect of the discussion that I think we need to focus in on because one of the things that they're talking about at this point in time, Darren, and you can unpack this for us a little bit more, is that we are doing injury to the planet because we are meat eaters. What exactly are they trying to communicate here? Well, I, I think it's important to, to clarify that it is the Dietary uh, advisory, advisory Committee, and they are only supposed to be looking at diet and nutritional issues. Mm-hmm. That's it. They're supposed to tell us what is actually supposed to be good for us to eat. And what they've done is they kind of veered off their mission completely and decided, that, you know what, we're going to push our own agenda and focus on environmental issues and mm-hmm. what we think is good for the planet and what's sustainable and what would avoid global warming and whatever. So they, they're using these environmental factors as justification to make recommendations on what you should eat. So when a, a child in the school lunch program is eating some food, it's not going to be because it's necessarily what's good for him mm-hmm. or her. It's going to be because some nutritionists in D.C., thought that that was what's actually best for the environment or the gray wolf or whatever it might be, whatever their environmental interests might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so these are people who want to affect our diets in the name of saving the planet, and their main strategy is for everybody to give up the meat they eat. They try to temper their strategy by saying, well, we're not saying completely give it up, but consider moderating uh, your diet. And it's a very interesting aspect of the discussion because what they want to do uh, is have you supplement your diet with ho- the high-protein, absolutely appetizing, featureless insect population, correct? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, there's kind of a, an anti-meat angle that's, that kind of permeated the entire process, this, this part of this advisory committee. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, I would say kind of a vegan type of... Uh, philosophy. So it, it, it's coming more from that than it is really from, well, certainly more than actually addressing whether or not meat is good or bad for you. Mm-hmm. So it's their own kind of philosophical beliefs. And if they want to address those issues in some policy document, then they should go to Congress and get Congress to pass some law allowing them to do that. Otherwise, it should just, you know, I, to me, it's unethical what they're doing because the public thinks that these dietary guidelines that the, these, the government's going to release is actually based on sound science relating to what's best for us to eat mm-hmm. with our own health. And it's misleading when it's, in fact, what's best for their own interests and what's best for the, the planet and also just to advance their particular vegan agenda. Absolutely. And one of the things that is happening with regard to their agenda is that they're trying to make the case that the, uh, the production and the consumption of meat in the United States in particular requires massive amounts of pesticides, as you've written about, fertilizers, feed, land, and water. 
but where in the world don't people use any and all of these things to produce food? And we have we actually have fewer uh, food producers now producing more food uh, for the planet, and we export quite a bit of our food to poor countries for folks uh, to have food and to supplement diets all around the world. Uh, so these people think that we can have a better impact and a better outcome if, in fact, we stop using all of these pesticides, fertilizers, the water, the land. Uh, we let more. I, I guess it means to let more cows live, because the last time I checked, uh, the last time I checked, Darren, I understood that if carbon is what you're really concerned about, uh, the cow population uh, is one of the chief emitters of carbon on our planet. Is it not? Yeah, the, I mean, what they're concerned about is uh, methane emissions. So uh, I guess the idea is that, that this methane can allegedly um, warm the planet, therefore we should have less cows. Mm. Um, so, I mean, it, it's gone in that extreme. It, it's and the, the, right. And the concern I would just point out is that, you know, meat is, and you mentioned this, is protein. I mean, it's so critical to our diet. Mm -hmm. And if we're going to especially provide meat to countries that desperately need that protein, um, th I think that's far more important than worrying about methane, you know, burping cows. Absolutely. Darren Baxt has been my guest. He's talking with us about an initiative that's taking place inside our government to take away your meat. He is a research fellow in agricultural policy with the Thomas A. Rowe Institute for Economic Policy Studies at Heritage Foundation. Darren, I'm sure we'll be talking again. Thank you for joining us on the program today. Uh, thank you so much. Bye-bye now. 866-423-9578. When we return, folks, uh, yeah, we're heading toward the weekend, so a lot of you are thinking about uh, seeing a movie as part of your entertainment fair. Well, Bob Walashevsky is going to join us uh, with his take on the movie Home when we come back. story that changed the world the death burial and resurrection of jesus but what satan meant for evil god turned to joy you can experience the life-changing power bring your family and friends to oh happy day a special presentation by the worship and creative arts department at lakeside assembly of god oh happy day it's the easter story Live drama with the crucifixion and resurrection, along with Lakeside's choir and soloists. Sunday, April 5th at 10 a.m. at Lakeside Assembly of God in Shelby Township, located on Shaner Road, just north of Hall Road. Visit lakesideag.org. That's lakesideag.org. Is your church ready? Over the next 10 years, the senior population in Metro Detroit will nearly double, and soon you'll see 20%, that's one in five people, in your congregation over the age of 65. Is your church ready? You have the awesome opportunity to be on the cutting edge of preparedness for the new aging church movement. Imagine being a church that reaches all generations, including the boomers, who will have unique needs that your church can meet. From caregiver support groups, to vision, hearing, and ambulation considerations, to reaching out to those with Alzheimer's disease and dementia. 
Scott. My name is Bert Koppel, and I can help your staff and church prepare for this aging church movement. I'm a pastor and the owner of Home Instead Senior Care in Birmingham, Michigan. Our classes, staff teaching tools, and community outreach programs can position your church for this rising need in Metro Detroit. Meet with me at the WLQV Pastors Appreciation Lunch on Thursday, April the 23rd, or visit us online at www.agingchurch.com. That's agingchurch.com. It's time for Bob Olszewski's Plugged In Movie Review. Here it is. Your vehicle is infested. He's my pet. Now he's vibrating. Is he going to explode? The animated movie Home tells of an unlikely friendship forged between a lonely teen girl and a space alien misfit. It all starts when a race of blobby, multi-hued aliens who are on the run from bad aliens take over planet Earth. But it's not a bim-bam-boom kind of alien invasion. The good guy aliens simply use their far superior tech to levitate and transplant all humankind to a new segment of the planet that they call Happy Human Town. With the former residents tucked away in Australia, the invaders can then take refuge on the rest of the planet, safely concealed from any other space threats. But that's when an amiable good guy blunderer named O makes the biggest mistake of his life. He accidentally sends out the planet coordinates to the whole universe, bad guy aliens and all. Then, while trying to sneak away from his goof-up, he bumps into a hiding Earthling girl named Tip, and the two reluctantly decide to join forces. Perhaps together they can locate Tip's mom and come up with a way to fix a number of past mistakes. Gotcha! What for are you did this? I am Boo. I know what you are. Can I come into the out now? No, you cannot come into the out now. But I can. You are just having to take away the piece of wood. This fun kids pick is packed full of colorful alien giggles and high-flying action, but it also talks about the love and importance of family while encouraging kids to face their fears and take the time to look beyond first impressions. The only real drawback here is a bit of goofy toilet humor. So I'm giving home four and a half blue mints out of five for family friendliness. For our full review of this movie, visit us at PluggedIn.com. Plugging you into the movies, I'm Bob Walshevsky for Focus on the Families, Plugged In Movie Review. Our thanks to Bob for that great movie review. You might want to put it on your list home. This uh, this weekend, uh, Rihanna, I guess, the singer, some of you may know about her, is featured in that film. I guess she's trying to develop her acting chops. We'll see what happens. Maybe she'll meet with critical acclaim. Maybe she'll go down in flames. 866-423-9578. 866-423-WLQV. The number to dial in the closing moments of our program, our action-packed, information-filled, Free Thought Thursday program for today. We have just uh, enough time to squeeze you in if you call right now. Uh, if not, then we've got a week full of shows uh, to which you can not only listen, but respond, call, and participate uh, coming up in the next week, good Lord willing. Uh, yeah, I'm one of those people that believe that the Lord's return could happen at any time. You know, there are times when I say to myself, you know, possibly won't happen for maybe even hundreds of years to come yet. But then there's that time when I kind of look around and see what's going on about me and think to myself, the Lord could come at any minute. He told us, nevertheless, to be ready, didn't he? 866-423-9578. So if the Lord does come, between now and, say, Monday of next week, 
Uh, those of you who are still here, you can continue to listen to the radio, but I won't be here. 866-423-9578, 866-423-WLQV, the number to dial to join the conversation on Run to Win, the Daryl Woods Show. And I started to talk the other day uh, briefly about this, uh, this ideal that we might soon be driving automobiles uh, that tell us when to slow down. Uh, uh, as much as a lot of us like to act like those NASCAR drivers, Ford is hoping to prevent accidents and speeding tickets by introducing a car that can see what the speed limit is and prevent you from going beyond it. It's called an intelligent speed limiter car. The technology is being uh, used now experimentally in Europe, and uh, they're looking to bring it here to the good old U.S. of A. A camera mounted on the windshield scans the road signs on the side of the highway. That's why you see all that new tech on the side of the road. This is just one of the ways they're going to be using it in the not-too-distant future in cars that tell you to slow down. Do you want the car, the government, or the auto firm to have that kind of control over your behavior behind the wheel? I don't. But that's just me. I believe that we ought to remain as free as we possibly can in this, the greatest nation in the history of the planet. People, integrity, service, and excellence. These are our core values at WLQV. Find out more about us at faithtalk1500.com. Listen to Bible Talk with Pastor Emery Moss, Jr. Weeknights at 6 here on Faith Talk 1500 and online at faithtalk1500.com.